Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today for another podcast. I'm back on track Saturdays, just a little late today, since we have reliable, semi-reliable internet back at the shop. My name is Patty. The shop is Herbs to Your Health. Our address is 106 South Pennsylvania Avenue in Greensburg. Our phone number is 724-836-7440. Our website is www.herbstoyourhealth. And we have a Facebook page where I advertise the podcast. On the website, you can place an order, read about the supplements I talk about, and send me a message. Uh, A person who listened to the last podcast actually did not send an email, um, came in and said, yeah, you talked about the seven pillars of health, but you didn't tell us what they were. Well, they're supplements. I mean, you know, uh, we have other pillars of health, such as we need sleep, uh, Abraham Maslow's uh, hierarchy, you know, the very basic needs. We need a, a bed to sleep in, right? Shelter, um, food, clothing, all that. Okay. I'm talking about pillars of supplemental health, and those are vitamins, minerals, enzymes, probiotics, essential fatty acids, pure water, and enough of it, and fiber. It's a really great time of the year to eat your vegetables because of the summer farmer's markets. Um, A person recently said, I don't kind of understand what my body is doing. And I say that just because your body is doing something you don't like or understand doesn't mean it's making a mistake. And let's acknowledge that we have divine intelligence in ourselves. Our bodies know what to do. All we have to do very, very simply is put in the good stuff remove the bad stuff. So under the heading of fiber, we have mucilaginous herbs. Fiber is normally called roughage. Um, Fiber, as we know that they're one of the seven basic supplements that people could take and improve their health. Women need 25 grams of fiber. Men need 38 grams of fiber, generally speaking. Uh, The average American adult gets only 15 grams of fiber, and the hunter-gatherers of Tanzania get 100 grams a day. So we should shoot for 50 to 60 grams. There are two kinds of fiber. There's crude fiber, which is roughage, which is insoluble. It makes plants woody or stringy. A celery The strings are insoluble fiber. And then we have soluble fiber, which we could call smoothage. Uh, Crude fiber is not water-soluble. It's um, the coating around the seed of bran, and it's the peeling of the apple or cucumber, the core of the apple or cucumber. 
And that's been likened to a broom that sweeps the colon clean. My mother always told us as children, we weren't allowed to eat in front of the television set. So my brother would get an apple and eat the entire apple, the core, the peel, the um, seeds, everything. He'd eat the whole thing. And I would tell on him and say, you know, he was eating in front of the TV. He needs a punishment. And she, my mother would say, where's the proof? <laughs> I, I would say he ate it. He ate the proof. Um, anyway, he's pretty healthy 65-year-old. So any the don't remove the peelings, uh, especially of apples and potatoes and maybe cucumbers. It, a large uh, portion of the minerals are found in the peelings. For instance, 90% of the mineral content of potatoes is found in the peeling. Soluble fiber absorbs water. The aloe vera plant, um, the gel inside of the leaf, if you ever broke open a leaf to put on a burn, is water-soluble fiber. It serves as friendly bacteria or prebiotics. It forms a slippery, slimy, gelatin-like mass. Intestinal flora eat this and really like them. It's prebiotics. So if you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, you'll have a better microbiome. The health benefits of smoothage, it keeps the bowel regular. And what is regular? If you eat three times a day, you should go to the bathroom three times a day, not once a month or once a week or whatever. That is not normal for you or for anybody. Uh, smoothage can prevent both constipation and diarrhea. It moistens the bowel and bulks the stool and it binds irritating substances. Fiber is the most natural laxative like ever. It helps soothe in intestinal inflammation. Fiber helps with and, and mucilaginous plants and herbs help any kind of irritable bowel disease, including ulcerations, Crohn's, and colitis. It soothes the intestinal membranes like the body's own mucus soothes membranes. Detoxification is aided because it binds chemical-like pesticide and food additives to prevent their absorption into the body and helps aid elimination. It helps the body detoxify. Um, mucilaginous herbs help the immune system by feeding friendly bacteria. So the friendly bacteria ward off infections of all kinds. Mucilage is antimicrobial. So the compounds that protect the plant from viruses, bacteria, infections actually benefit us as well. So aloe vera is a major mucilaginous herb. It bur it's a burn and skin remedy. It relieves pain and speeds healing. It's helpful for any kind of skin damage or irritation where the skin is dry, red, or irritated. Um, it reduces the inflammation and irritation of the mucous membranes of the mouth, sinuses, and digestive tract. It's extremely soothing for inflammatory bowel disorders. 
<clears throat> it helps gut health, improves digestion and absorption, reduces bowel toxicity, <clears throat> excuse me, decreases colon transit time, promotes more favorable balance of in the intestinal microflora, reduces yeast and harmful bacteria in the gastrointestinal tract, balances the immune system. It um, reduces chronic inflammatory diseases. It's helpful for rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, which is damage to bone and tissue in the joints, lupus, HIV, Epstein-Barr. Uh, it also has antiviral compounds. Comfrey is a great mucilaginous herb. Unfortunately, we can't get it anymore, but you can grow it. It kind of grows like a weed. Uh, and then marshmallow is a mucilaginous herb. It's an, a nourishing, mild food. Uh, all the mallows are nutritious. One of them is uh, hibiscus. Another one is okra. And if you've ever tried to eat okra, it is one of the slimiest vegetables ever. The roots are membrane soothers. They're helpful for ulcers, colitis, and leaky gut syndrome. Uh, slippery elm is another great one. <clears throat> uh, psyllium. Psyllium is the seeds or the hulls of a particular species of plantain, which is a common lawn and garden weed. Psyllium is... Um, used in the treatment of constipation, diarrhea, hemorrhoids, or other bowel disorders. The seeds and seed husks are extremely bland, having almost no detectable taste, but they're loaded with mucilage. This mucilage is what gives psyllium its prized properties as a intestinal scrubber. It scrubs the intestines and absorbs toxins lingering in the lower gastrointestinal tract. As we know, mucilage is a form of water-soluble fiber. So, um, and it stores water. Those polysaccharide chains, you know, mucopolysaccharides, which um, is water-loving, they're mostly indigestible, which allows them to pass through the stomach and into the intestines. They scrub away accumulated waste. Um, psyllium has additional properties. It reduces glucose levels. And um, it protects people from colon cancer because of its toxin-absorbing capacity. And it prevents... Um, the toxins from contacting the cells lining the colon. So it's safe and gentle, and we have psyllium at Herbs to Your Health. We uh, There is a product, we don't stock it anymore, but I think it's available on the website. It's called Fat Grabbers. It has a lot of psyllium in it, and it really does uh, take the fat. When it first came out, we did a an experiment, got a little bowl and put water in it and then poured um, oil in it. 
and you know it sits right on the top and then you twist open a couple capsules of fat grabbers wait a while all the oil is gone it absorbed it Intestinal Soothe and Build is a soothing and healing herbal formula for intestinal inflammation. So those mucilaginous herbs are also nutritious and tissue healing, like slippery elm, plantain, bugleweed, marshmallow. Uh, Bowel Detox is another really great formula with um, ginger and apple pepper pectin and marshmallow and bentonite clay and charcoal. It's an intestinal cleansing and maintenance formula. It has vitamins, enzymes, and herbs that promote intestinal health and provide dietary fiber. Bowel detox contains substances that improve digestion, absorb toxins from the gastrointestinal tract, and provide antioxidant and immune system support. It has vitamins A, C, and E in there, I think. Um, not enough, of course. So, and some zinc. Small intestine detox is a really simple formula. It has only two ingredients, marshmallow and pepsin, but it's a powerful combination for promoting the general health of the body. If, uh, a lot of people develop mucus congestion in the small intestine because of their constant abuses of the digestive tract, uh, overeating, improper foods, lack of digestive enzymes, eating too fast, eating while stressed, and of course consuming super over-processed poor quality foods can weaken the small intestines and cause them to become toxic. <clears throat> the main ingredient is pepsin, a protein digesting enzyme, which breaks down protein materials. And then marshmallow is used as a carrier to help preserve the pepsin intact so it can travel to the small intestines. And, um, you know, of course, it's a mucilaginous herb. And enzymes are a critical part of all life processes. Okay, um, a new podcast listener said, you don't talk enough about zinc. Well, you know, you can scroll through the headlines of the podcast, and I think there is a, a lot of information about zinc, but if you want to hear it now, here you go. Uh, it's a trace mineral. It plays a vital role in supporting bone health and many other functions within the body. It Zinc flows through nearly every part of the body from the brain and the kidneys to the muscles and bones. Zinc supports the function of hundreds of enzymes needed for biological function, such as the conversion of carbon dioxide in the lungs and protein digestion. It also performs a leading role in DNA transcription and the activation of signaling pathways. When it comes to bone health, besides stimulating bone formation and mineralization, zinc protects your bones in unexpected ways. By warding off depression, taste disorders, and vision decline, 
Zinc gives your body the support it needs to maintain excellent bone health. So you see, if you can see well, you might not fall. If you can taste, you might eat delicious foods. And if you're not depressed, uh, you might have some hobbies or outside activities. So those are unique ways in which zinc improves your bone health. So uh, it's minor to severe depression sets off a constant cascade of, of chemicals, including noradrenaline through the sympathetic nervous system. Um, people with depression show low levels of zinc. People who can't taste food have minuscule levels of zinc, so the lowest of the low. And people who can't remember things have low levels of zinc. So zinc increases the production of a protein for the nerve synapses in the brain called brain-derived neurotropic factor BDNF. This compound is instrumental in helping nerve cells recover and repair damage, which aids to ward off depression by keeping the essential synapses alive and active and healthy. Zinc prevents taste disorders. So, um, you know, if a lot of people who had COVID, they still haven't gotten their taste back, the long haulers. You know, when I had a bird flu that I caught in China in 2006, literally I was sick for a week, a week. I was sick for a year, a year, but that was, I think, what the long haulers are um, experiencing. But, you know, you take enough supplements and you're going to get better. And honestly, I wasn't in bed for a year. I wasn't probably in bed at all. Um, but I knew I was not feeling well. Well, okay, there is a new, speaking of bones, a new fracture risk prediction tool. Uh, researchers have created what they call a skeletal age calculator. It's a tool supposed to predict the biological age of bones using a person's age, bone density, bone density, easy for me to say, fracture history, and health conditions. Their process allows uh, healthcare providers to assess a patient's fracture risk compared to the average fracture risk of people of different ages. This tool also estimates how fractures could change someone's life expectancy. So the professor explains it thusly. Um, they say a typical 70-year-old man who sustained a fracture had a skeletal age of 75. But if the man has a second fracture, his skeletal age rises to 87 years. This means, they have to explain this to us, right? Like, we don't know what the 87 means. This means that the individual now has the same risk, fracture risk profile as an 87-year-old man who has a healthy risk profile. So, uh, you know, if you... I would say, you know, I wouldn't even go to someone to find that out. Um, assess yourselves. You know, the idea of having an old skeleton could be used to frighten people into taking osteoporosis drugs. They come with a, a variety of terrible effects. 
and they're not an effective intervention for improving um, bone health. So we need minerals. And, you know, if you're a young person and you're taking a lot of pharmaceutical drugs, I, I would say stop taking them. All they do is leach minerals out of your body. If you have high blood pressure and you're on blood pressure medication, understand that blood, high blood pressure comes from one or many of nine different causes. So if you come to Herbs to Your Health, we will follow it upstream, see what the causes are, and we will um, recommend supplements that address the causes. So the blood pressure becomes normal. Um, <clears throat> recently had a conversation with someone about their negative thinking. And, you know, fear is the basis of all negative thinking. And when those thoughts are the fo focus of your energy, they are as potent as ever in manifesting adverse personal situations. So the person said to me, well, you know, fear cannot be consciously controlled. Uh, it's like saying, don't let your blood flow. I say, let, let us turn that into, let positive thoughts flow as naturally as your blood. Just have to learn how to do it. Relearn, behavior modification, change your behavior. Thoughts precede emotions and infinitesimal lapse that isn't recognized because the thought about a situation and the reaction to it seem to be simultaneously, simul happen simultaneously. When you perceive a situation as fearful, instantly that thought provokes the natural reaction, fearful feelings. As the thought veers into preoccupation with the situation's possible developments, the fear feelings that follow it gather force, catchy alliteration. So let us turn that all of our thoughts into positive thoughts. Just have to learn how to do it and then practice it. It's like playing the cello. Learn how, how to operate a bow and then practice. Uh, here's some more news you don't hear on mainstream media that is just basically meant to frighten everybody. Um, one of the loudest message coming from mainstream media these days is that people who have declined the COVID vaccine are to blame for the spread of the so-called Delta variant of the virus. Concurrently, government officials claim the majority of COVID hospital hospitalization and death cases are among people who have not received the experimental COVID injection. Uh, some medical experts are calling this claim into question, insisting instead that there are far more breakthrough cases than officials are willing to admit and that a large portion of new cases are injection failures. Dr. Peter McCullough is a cardiologist, principal faculty member in internal medicine for Texas A&M University Health Sciences Center. With over three dozen peer-reviewed articles related to COVID-19 treatment protocols, Dr. McCullough has become a well-known name during the pandemic. 
He has come out with a bold new claim, and I super believe the guy, that at least half of the new COVID infections result from injection failures. He isn't the only doctor speaking out. Uh, I, an epidemiologist made waves in the headlines, he's from Yale, when he said during an interview that doctors have been disclosing that 60% of new patients they've been treating ha have been people who have been vaccinated, fully, fully vaccinated. Um, the, the statement is fact-checked, by the way. The uh, CDC, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, have suggested that 0.008% of COVID infections, that's a far cry from 60%, right? That's like not even a half a percent. Um, <clears throat> the problem is <clears throat> that it's not clear whether the CDC accurately measured the rates of breakthrough infections. Um, even when even the mainstream media <clears throat> admits that the CDC understates the real number of breakthrough infections, there's real reason to question just how safe and effective these unapproved shots are. So if, if so many breakthrough cases among fully vaccinated people are happening, and perhaps more than we know of, more than 60%, how do COVID shot man mandates actually help? Um, <clears throat> okay, speaking of COVID shots, 11,000 deaths and counting and 463,457 adverse events. Yesterday, a woman told me that five of her friends, uh, two drop dead and three are uh, in and out of the hospital. Adverse events following a COVID injection from either Moderna, Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson. So <clears throat> it's a massive COVID injection experiment. <clears throat> that um, if you don't want to take part in it, I would congratulate you and uh, say you haven't altered your DNA. As the uh, Children's Health Defense reports, there's nearly half a million adverse of events with children with children, including 48,385 um, serious injuries, Guillain-Barre syndrome, anaphylaxis, blood clotting disorders. The lady yesterday told me that uh, three, um, the two who died were blood clotting disorders and the one lady who's currently in the hospital has brain bleeds since she got the vaccine. So I'm just saying, you know, and if that weren't enough, uh, fact check, fact check from Reuters, Moderna and Pfizer were allowed to run animal testing and human testing of their COVID injection simultaneously, which is not standard protocol in drug safety trials. 
<clears throat> so let's say that the, um, not the CDC, what is the people who, never mind, I'll tell you that later. Um, <clears throat> so the clinical trials for Moderna and Pfizer will not <clears throat> excuse me, end until October 2022. That's uh, a year and three months away. And January 2023. So Pfizer, January 2023. And they have um, hundreds of billions of dollars of revenue from their um, vac vaccines. So the drug, the, the, shots, the COVID injection drugs, are without question still in their experimental phase, and everyone who receives the shot should be considered part of a clinical trial. Did you agree to that? Something that even a representative from Moderna admitted to during a recent phone call with a COVID shot victim. Um, are COVID injection recipients part of a drug trial was the question. The Moderna rep said, yep, pretty much. In June, um, in, let's see, the representative um, admitted that the long-term effectiveness of the shot is unknown. So if you go to, oh yeah, the Food and Drug Administration. So the FDA has uh, approved these experimental shots, which are investigational. They call them investigational. If you're wondering whether investigational is different from experimental, uh, again, we go to the FDA for uh, con context on their webpage called Understanding Investigational Drugs, the FDA states plainly, an investigational drug can also be called an experimental drug. They add, before you can be given an investigational drug, either through a clinical trial or through expanded access, your healthcare provider must give you additional information about the potential risks and the potential benefits of the drug. So that's their quote. Unfortunately, it's difficult to do when it comes to the COVID injection since the potential risks and benefits of the drug are still unknown. And again, I say, why do you think they can't pick the flu shot every year? Because viruses mutate. That's what they do. That's what they're supposed to do. They mutate so they can keep on going. They're like uh, zombie vampires. They're not living. So uh, you so if you want to see the um, FDA webpage, I would say hurry up and go to it before they end up changing the language, which we saw happen when the World Health Organization's watered down edits of their recommendations not to inject kids. So um, do not let fact checkers, public officials, mainstream media, misinform you or disinform you. Uh, right now, all COVID shots by the FDA's own definition are experimental. So let's keep it in perspective. In addition to knowing that these drugs are not approved, not licensed and experimental, you need to also remember this important fact. Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson are immune. They're creating their own um, 
own immunity from liability for any loss and damages caused by these experimental drugs. This is explicitly stated in the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act. It states, quote, the declaration provides immunity from liability for claims of loss caused arising out of, relating to, or resulting from administration or use of countermeasures to diseases, threats, and conditions, blah, blah, blah. It means that if you or a loved one gets ill, injured, or killed from a COVID shot, these pharmaceutical companies will not be held liable. Taxpayers fund the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, and not everyone deserving of compensation will, will receive it. So the other thing I uh, say is, you know, get the vaccine if you're feeling lucky, get a lottery ticket with it, you know. Uh, <clears throat> so a while back, I used to talk about the uh, how to live long enough to live forever. It, it's the Apple Yard program, tongue in cheek, but, you know, kind of true. Number one is don't even think about smoking and preferably don't hang glide. Uh, number two, eliminate sugar to lower blood insulin levels. Use um, stevia or xylitol or honey. Eat lots of vegetables that grow above ground. Those below ground are heavy in carbohydrates that turn into sugar and raise insulin levels. Not all of them. Um, potatoes, maybe, yes. Beets are fabulous. Uh, boil the beets in pure water and save the water and drink it. Don't overdo the fruit. Contrary to popular wisdom, it's not unconditionally good as it contains sugar. Non-drinking Arabs and Indians who sit around sipping orange juice all day long end up with diabetes. Eat nuts. Um, people who eat nuts live longer for completely under, uh, incompletely understood reasons. Not salted peanuts, however, which the next one is don't salt things. Salt raises blood pressure. Um, <clears throat> don't touch processed food. I agree with that one. Sea salt is quite healthy for you, so you can salt things with sea salt. Honestly, it's very rich in minerals. Uh, the next one, Apple Yard says, whoever Apple Yard is, um, don't have heart bypass surgery or have a stent installed to hold a blocked artery open. Neither works. People who live longer after them probably do so because the shock made them eat better and exercise more. And then assess your health, you know, assess your own health. Adjust your supplements, taking accordingly. Running is bad for your skeleton, so don't run. Um... And then the final one, <coughs> excuse me, really cute. Ignore all of the above. They may be wrong. And if a piano falls on you, pointless. And uh, what do you get? What happens when you a piano falls down a mine shaft? What do you get? You get A flat minor. Thank you all so much for listening. My name is Patty. Please call the shop 724-836-7440.
or go to our website, www.herbstoyourhealth.net. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the beautiful western, southwestern Pennsylvania weather. Bye.